Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome listeners to Studio 54 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking of pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderton and I'm joined by the man behind the wheels of steel, the man who will bring all the boys and girls to their feet for a disco inferno. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how you going, mate? Robbie, good, mate. Good. I'm just uh, dancing away, mate. Nice intro. I know, I can see that. Yeah, we've been uh, having our, uh, a fair share of tech technical issues, but we seem to have that all sorted out now. And you've uh, unfortunately have had to sat, sit down rather than uh, keep on partying on and you know, dancing up a storm. Well, mate, you know, we are, we're on Skype this time, aren't we? So it's our, I think, what, this is our second Skype uh, podcast that we've done? Yeah, we're giving it a bit of a crack. We're trying to get some, uh, uh, you know, trying to work out between our busy schedules of, uh, you know, saving the world one set of anal glands at a time and uh, <laughs> being dads and all that sort of stuff to try and work out where the hell to get together. So here we are Skyping it. Yeah, hopefully it's all working. All the technical difficulties are settled and we're roaring to go. So hey, now bis- tell me, when, do you do do you do any uh, any warm up or any stretching before you go and start? Yeah, you know, break dancing. I'm just, I'm just wondering because I keep, I keep hurting myself. I'm trying to work out from a, a master like yourself how I can reduce my soft tissue injuries. Well, when if I am planning on doing the dance split, yes, I do do tend to try and warm up the hamstrings a little bit beforehand. But if I'm just right. doing a bit of a free form, you know, just uh, chucking some moves. Um, yeah. Yep. Just rolling around on the floor, maybe a bit of the worm or a head spin or something like that. Nah, no warm up required, mate. Yep. Just straight no, in. I'd- you can just jump straight into the worm, can you? Yeah, yeah. Also yeah, known as the battered sav. The, the really is it the, the worm is the battered sav? Yeah, do you remember the old uh, Roy and HG uh, when they used to commentate the uh, the uh, the the gymnastics in the two thousand Olympics? I'm sure they called the uh, the what was basically a gymnastic, you know, much more Olympic version of the worm. They called it the battered sav. Yeah, and the Hello Boys, mate. I think that was a the Hello Boys. Effort. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the podcast. Hey guys, Dr. Lewis here. And we just want to update you on the latest on the Hills Dog Food Recall that has occurred worldwide. Uh, in Australia, as of the 21st of March 2019, the recall has expanded, unfortunately, um, and now includes more batches of the canned dog foods with uh, vitamin D levels issues. Um, it doesn't include any treats. Um, it doesn't, as far as we know, it doesn't include any dry food and doesn't include any cat food at this stage. The best advice we can give for our Australian listeners is to go to www.hillspet.com.au backslash product list and check any tins you might have at home or you think your your dog might have eaten. Alternatively, alternatively, Australian listeners can call the Hills Helpline on 1800 679 That's 1-800-679-932. For all our non-Australian listeners, please go to your country's Hills website for information. Obviously, for more information on how vitamin D is toxic to your dogs, you can always go back to episode 48, where Robbie covered it uh, just superbly, and uh, listen up. As always, if your pet is unwell, please see your vet as soon as possible, or if you are concerned that your dog has eaten the food, or they may be sick because of the food, would also suggest uh, contacting your vet ASAP. Okay, let's have a little pant. <laughs> And a little purr. And let's get on with the podcast. Now, mate, what have you been doing? You're busy day at work today. What's been happening? Oh, mate, we, we, I was absolutely flat as a, flat out as a cut snake today. It was it was insane. Um, you know those days when you're fully booked and then uh, you see uh, booking get put into the second column and you go... Okay, no problems at all. So there's a, yep. a nine, collapsed nine-month-old boxer. That's fine. No, no problems. Get him in. We'll, we'll sort that one out. 
oh, good, and then there's a dog that's eating, uh, eating something stupid. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, pile it on in. That's fine. Dog's got its bandage off that's only been on for four hours. No dramas. Come on in. That's right. We'll sort that all out. So, yeah, it's been a, a, a hectic day. And then get home and then my computer didn't want to work and then my speakers didn't want to work. And I'm like, oh, gee whiz. Yeah, sometimes you feel like the world's against you. But anyway... It's all good. Yeah. How about you, mate? All, what have you been up to? Uh, good, mate. Just taking it back a bit. What a dog ate something. What the dog eat? Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, so the on the little uh, thing on the screen, it said dog has eaten some rice. Right. Oh, okay. Rightio. That's cool. So the owner came in and I said, "Oh, how much did he eat?" She said, "I yeah, you know, one of those small packets of rice. Yeah, he ate the whole thing. Um, oh. And he had some sugar and he had some peanuts. Wow." Now, Okay, okay. So I don't know if it was like going for some sort of like a muscle man curry kind of number or something like that. Well, it sounds like a rice pudding he's making, mate, like a peanut rice pudding, quite nice. A peanut rice pudding? Yeah, nice, nice. But that, that's guess, right. My only question was, mate, had the dog maybe had swallowed a mobile phone and the owner was just like, oh, oh, we need to put in some <laughs> rice. Because, <laughs> try and dry it out. Exactly. Try, try, yeah. try and dry the phone out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably safer doing that than all those little uh, the little gelatin things that you get in all the uh, all, all the packaged foods. You definitely oh, can't feed yeah. those to your dog. But rice, you know, still wouldn't recommend feeding this much rice to a dog. <laughs> Tell you <laughs> no. what, it, it was an in, it was an insane amount that this dog bought up too. So we so we gave right. it the stuff to make it vomit, and um, and it already had one puke at home. And uh, gee whiz, when we gave it the stuff, so we gave it some apple morphine, and oh man, just absolute vomit central, like, and just just lakes and lakes and lakes of rice. Wow, <laughs> lakes yeah. of rice! I love it, mate. Lakes, lakes of rice, lakes yeah. of rice. Oh, and it's, yeah, a, bit, mate, it's a bit, yeah. I was just saying, it's a bit weird because I think the, um, you know, isn't that a, you know, an old, uh, an old torture technique as well? You know, where people, get, you know, feed people a whole lot of uh, raw rice, or you Ooh. know, I remember seeing that from Twenty Four or something like that. You know, the old Kiefer Sutherland show. No, never heard don't, of don't it. Don't know. Nah, I don't know. I was, but I was. Yeah. That's the thing. I was worried about this dog at the rice hitting its stomach and it just expanding out and yeah. causing a massive big obstruction. So, yeah, big bowl of rice would be good. I'm sure, all, all soaked up with uh, with whatever's down there. Yeah, not good carb, at all. Good carb loading though. If you're thinking about going for a run tomorrow. <laughs> Now, I wanted to give you an update, mate. Oh, we talked yes. the other week about uh, my nurse's whippet, Claire. Oh, yes. It was having trouble eating. I don't know if you remember. I do, and, yes, uh, yep. Yeah, and I mentioned that it had um, had a tooth problem. Well, the tooth has been removed. And Fabulous. She's curr- yeah, she's currently trying a bit of the puppy food and seeing how it goes. It um, seems to be eating a little bit better, I think, and she mentioned that it's actually eating the small bite dental food quite well. So ah. we'll keep the listeners updated on, on how Robbie's little tips are going. Well, that's all right. That's all right. Um, yeah, Rosie's uh, Rosie loves. It. I, I always give her the uh, the big dental ones, and yep. she just uh, she always eats the small ones first. But then whenever I give her the big ones, then uh, so she the so I give her a mix of the dental food and other foods. So she eats always always the little ones first. I think because then she knows the birds are going to come and try and steal the little ones. The birds can't yep. take the big ones. Yeah, you know, they're, they're they're way yep. too big to get in their beaks. They need like six of them to come down. Like a you know, they're not they're not that good at try to coordinate their effort the uh the, the indian miners um but then when she gets a big one she really yeah really crushes down on them well so yeah right excellent and the other thing today we we had a dog in a breed of dog a glen of a male terrier have you heard of, ever heard of one of those no no what's a glen of yeah. a male terrier i'm gonna pull up a it's like it. a yeah go have a look at it. it's like a um really cute dog it's sort of like a border terrier but a bit bigger Almost a border terrier cross with like a, oh, like a schnauzer, like a medium sized schnauzer. Really, how, weird how do I spell dog? Glenn? So what is it Glen of Glenn. Amal? Yeah, like Glen Twenty, the spray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of Amal. I M A A L terrier. I I M. Yeah, I M. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Yeah, I thought it would be something you know Middle Eastern going by that Glen of Amal. Glen of Amal sounds like a. Sounds like a uh, some sort of uh, you know uh, religious place or something, Glen of Amal. Yeah, or or, yeah. or a guy that or a guy that cleans at a religious place. Yeah, yeah Glenn, 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 the, Glenn, Glenn the cleaner, Glenn, Glenn the cleaner <laughs> of Amal. Um, yeah, it's, that's right. It, it does certainly have a little uh, little border terrier kind of look to it, doesn't yeah. it? Really cute. Yeah. I've never seen one before. Never even now, heard of it. Was it a puppy or? From, uh, no, it was middle aged. I think it was from Ireland. From Ireland, oh, really? not the dog, but the breeds from right. Ireland. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. 
So well, there, there you go. go. Anyway, mate, we better move on to sponsors. Uh, so big thank you to Zilkeen, who uh, the mild anxiety lowering medication um, that um, that uh, is is really useful for those dogs or cats that have got some mild anxieties. Um, using it a lot uh, myself at work, and and you don't have to go to your vet for it necessarily. You can get it over the counter, um, and uh, a great great uh, medication to, to use. So thanks very much to Zilkeen. I started using and it today on a, a cat that's um, the partner or the, the owner's partner's just moved in. And so the cat started uh, weighing in her handbag. And so nice. I said to him, you know what? Might be a good idea to try and uh, try and give this Zilkeen stuff a shot because, uh, yeah, as well as a few other things. But uh, obviously there's been some changes at home and uh, might be worthwhile trying to see whether or not we can uh, help this kitty cat out a little bit rather than having to go and keep on buying new handbags all the time. You, well, you didn't suggest the partner perhaps wasn't suitable, and they should uh, find a find a different <laughs> partner, or or to leave the handbag out in the car it might be safer out in the car. You know, your car yeah. might get broken into, but at least you don't go in there and try and grab out your tissues and realise they're all just soked up with cat wee. Oh, you know? oh. Or you go, oh, geez, I've got a sore throat. Where's my butter menthols? Oh, hang on, <laughs> they're very buttery. Very buttery, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. a fisherman's friend. Geez, that's a little more. It's a little more, you know, uh, a little more spearminty than I'm used to. It's, it's a, a bit, bit odd. more of a kick to it. A bit more. It's of a, a bit more of a kick. Normal. Yeah, geez, it's yeah. cleared my sinuses out though. That's all right. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, and, uh, and, also, and and Prime One Hundred as well. Yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, specific uh, single protein diets for dogs and cats. Dry foods, you know, wet foods, treats. All sorts of stuff. Young, old, dogs, cats. Um, as no one, none of our listeners other than Claudia know that um, that there's no pineapple in any of their diets. I put that in in the bottom of the show notes a couple of weeks ago. That uh, that, that oh. you know they've got they've got really good stuff, but no pineapple. You know because I said there's controversy in whether or not pineapple should be on pizza or not. There's no controversy as whether or not it should be in Prime 100 Foods because there's no pineapple in Prime 100 Foods. But there's lots of other stuff. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure they haven't done a pineapple, a turkey and pineapple? Be nice. Be or quite maybe nice, ham and pineapple. They just, they just call it the Hawaiian one. It's just oh, pork good. and pineapple. The Hawaiian SPD Prime 100 diet. There you go, Prime 100. We're, we're setting you up there. The Two Vets Talk Pets Hawaiian Prime 100. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. We'll put our heads just, on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll do, we we'll do that for a free lanyard. <laughs> Maybe some pens, <laughs> yeah, some, some Prime right. 100 pens. That'd be all right. Yeah. Exactly. So thanks heaps, guys, for, for uh, supporting us and, and get down and get some of their food. It's fantastic stuff. Also, we've got um, our Patreon supporters. So big shout out to those guys. They're the ones that uh, help us out on a, on a monthly basis. They get access to all the free, cool Q&A stuff. And um, yes. so go on to Patreon um, and, and check us out um, and support us for as much as uh, you can do 20 bucks a month if you like, I think. For yeah, and you get a t shirt. You do get yeah. a t shirt for that. So, we've got the, got the so new go design t shirts coming through soon, too, don't we? Yes, yeah, we do. Yeah, when we when we get organised, yeah, <laughs> when we get some time. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. All righty, mate. Um, now, hey, yeah, go on. No, no, you go. So this week, well, the other week we talked about Boris and the chicken skewers. Remember Boris? Boris the Bernese Mountain Dog, yes. Yeah, mate. Skewered himself. Yeah, skewered himself with a chicken skewer, a raw chicken skewer that he inhaled and ended up near his heart. He didn't inhale it. Yeah. He swallowed it. As a vet, I do know the difference between inhaling and eating. And no, he did not inhale it. It did actually get eaten. That sounds like an argument that you may have had with a teacher once when you're hiding behind a, a bus shelter. No, 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 I, did, I wasn't inhaling. I wasn't inhaling. It was just, it was just a steamy, a, a, a really frosty morning. It was all just steam. I wasn't inhaling, sir. I wasn't. Isn't that what Bill Clinton said? I, I didn't inhale. <laughs> Isn't that the name of a little funny little dog, the Glen, Glen of Inhale? <laughs> Very good. Unlike uh, Boris the Impaler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boris the Impaler, I love it Well they've named him, they've called him Boris the Brave in this article It's a follow-up article from ABC Yeah and It talks about, uh, you know, uh, the wooden skew end up puncturing his lungs and his heart 
leaving its owners with a whopping $13,000 veterinary bills. Yes. Um, and they go on to say, while Boris's injury was unusual, it's not uncommon for pet owners to fork out big bucks for their animals' health care. Yeah. Commentators, comment, commenters on ABC Hobart's Facebook page had plenty of examples. Of most said that they didn't mind spending the money. I spent around $6,000 on one of my dogs. He had a tumour on his paw, and I would spend yep. whatever necessary if any of them required care, Anna Extrand wrote. Cost us $5,000 after daughter's 12-week-old kitten had a battery had battery acid put in her milk dish when some oh. teenagers broke into, yeah, broke into under our house to try and steal the car, Boris McBee posted. Boris. Boris himself wrote one. That's interesting. Didn't know he had fingers. Yeah. Yeah, right. He's had some bad luck, hasn't he? Yeah, he's had some bad luck. Chicken skew and battery acid. He's, he's struggling, isn't he, poor guy? <laughs> yes. the, 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 the cat went on to live another 12 years without being able to meow. They were best right. mates and, in, and inseparable. Then it goes on. But why do vet bills get so high? And what should you be prepared, be prepared to pay? And it says, RSPCA Tasmanian CEO and Chief Veterinarian Andrew Byrne said vets had to pay for phenomenal overheads that he used once in a blue moon. Wow, he's, yeah, right. he's really put everything together there. They must have an <laughs> x-ray machine, a, a dental machine, surgical equipment, along with several staff members to help them out. To spend fifty to $60,000 on an x-ray machine, if you're not using it all the time, it's an expense that sits there for some time. It costs $150,000, this is Aussie dollars, in equipment alone just for the stuff you need to service the public in the most basic way. So it's an expensive process to own a veterinary clinic and people just don't understand that. Dr. Byrne said Tasmania Shorty is a veterinary specialist and the fact that animal drugs are not subsidised on the pharmaceutical benefits scheme also add to the total bill. Vets actually don't do as well as the public thinks we do. And we said this sort of last time, didn't we? A yeah, fair yeah, bit of money. a couple of weeks ago, yeah. A fair bit of money changes hands, but it goes off into overheads and it's stuff we need to purchase to ensure the animals can be looked after property, properly. Sorry. Property. He said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looked after property. Uh, so how much should you be prepared to pay? So ASIC's Money Smart website estimates the total cost of owning a pet to be between three and six grand in the first year of its life. I reckon that's a fair assessment. What's that? Three Perhaps to six a bit grand? excessive. Yeah, is that a bit excessive? Well, no, I guess by the time you chuck food, food, food yeah. registration, um, yeah. you know, your vaccinations, you've got um, two vaccinations. I wonder if that, do you think they're including the purchase of the dog? You know, I can't imagine Glenn yeah. Glen Vimans going for very, uh, very cheap. <laughs> yeah, for, for 20 bucks on, on uh, Gumtree. On Gumtree. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Just when oh, the Port about, Terriers I jumped on the back of a, uh, of a Maltese shit, so we go, oh, yeah. Well, the, the dad's name was Glenn and the mom's name was Iman. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn of Amal. Like Glenn. it. What if it, what if that includes the like the handbag? You know, the, the expensive handbag to carry the dog around in. Maybe oh, with the Diamontes as well? Yeah. yeah. The Chanel yeah. from, uh, from uh, what was his name? Carl Langerfield. Oh, yes. On the other way. Yes, maybe. Well, maybe the... Um, Maybe if it if it includes also after paying some of the uh, you know, more uh, more cute and fluffy beds and stuff that you can get, but that's fine. Just after pay it for your new little dog. Maybe that makes up part of the three to six thousand dollars a year as well. After pay, love it, love it. <laughs> um, uh, and then he goes on after that. It says dogs will cost on average, but one thousand four hundred seventy five dollars a year, and cats. One thousand and twenty nine dollars a year. That's that's very accurate. Could he have done yeah, to wow. sense? Yeah, twenty nine. How do you get that? That takes into account food, grooming, boarding, and standard vet bills. If yeah, you right. want a cheaper vet, a fish is your cheapest option at fifty dollars a year. <clears throat> How many that's fish cheap. have you seen? Yeah, that's pretty cheap. Buy a lot of fish yeah, for fifty cheap. bucks. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon. Is that, is that the amount that, that the vet the spends on the fish in their fish tank? Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. How much do you reckon those little bubbly things, that, you know, the little divers that, you know, um, they have in the, uh, you know, the little things yeah, yeah. that they have down in the fish tank? I wonder how much they go for oh, the rainbow. 20 bucks. That, 20 bucks, you reckon? And 20 what do you bucks. reckon for the rainbow stones that go in the bottom? Five, ten? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you got that fish food, the little flaky fish food? Yeah. Yeah, the tank. You, know, you need yeah. a tank. Probably need a you, tank, do you? You got to fill a it with water. Oh, tank. Of course you need a tank. Jeez, yeah. you're getting all that for 50 bucks. That is pretty economical. Probably it's pick that bad, on Gumtree as well with your Glen of your mom. 
Dr. Burns said the average pet owner with a standard-sized dog paid about up to $300 a year in health costs, not including an unexpected chicken skewer consumption. Understandable. Right. As, as far as how much is too much, he said it was a personal decision. Everyone has their own line that they draw in the sand, but I don't think there is a limit to some people's love, Dr. Yeah. Burns said. It depends if the animal sits in the bosom of their family life. Think of how much you'd spend on your daughter or your son. Yeah, all right, that's a, that's quite a comparison. Wow. Yep, yep. yep. I, think, I think that's called guilt tripping, isn't it? What's that? I think that's guilt tripping, isn't it? Yeah, it does how, sound how a bit guilt tripping. Yeah. yeah, well, a lot of people, they're fur kids, aren't they, I suppose? So, you know, the dog well, or cat is, yes. is, part of, is part of their family. So they do, they will spend, you know, they'll go to the, the end of the earth, I guess, to, to help them. Yeah, which is understandable. Sure. They're so attached. After only his, his own veterinary practice for 16 years, Dr. Bird said he has seen distraught animals splash out tens of thousands of dollars on beloved animals and any complicated surgeries after motor vehicle accidents. Yeah, right. And he warned, he warned prospective pet owners not to take on the responsibility if they weren't sure they could pay for it. And if you doubt, you should go to your vet and say, I'm thinking of getting a King Charles Cavalier or a Golden Retriever. <laughs> what? Or a... Or a Glen of Imal. A Glen of Imal. Do, you know, do you know what that is? And if they don't know what it is, tell them to listen to this podcast. Absolutely. Because obviously they're not educated. Or maybe if they want to fish. And this is where you can get your information. That's right. If they want to fish, come to us because we'll, we'll work out that it needs a tank. Yep. And the, and the little the little diver and the rainbow stones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. And, and some Evian water. Tap water. Oh, yes. No, not tap water. No, bottled water. It'd have to be heavy. Bottled water. It? Yeah, yeah. Or that Fil- the Fiji filtered. water that comes from you know, LA. Lake Bacal. Lake Bacal? <laughs> Lake Bacal. You don't know Lake Bacal? No. <laughs> it's the middle of Russia, I think. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Just... Middle of Russia. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is there any water in there? Yeah. No? Uh, no, nah, it dries the bone, mate. It's all, been, it's all in bottles. It's been bottled. Oh. <laughs> And, and what great bottled water it is too. It is. It's beautiful. It's great flight miles when you can, you know, you pick it up at your at your Seven Eleven. The bottle of Lake Bacal water. It's great. <laughs> you got to go and buy all the bottles and go and tip it back into the lake again. Yeah, that's right. That's what they do. Is it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So Doctor Burns says, should I get pet insurance? The jury is split. Oh, I don't know about that. Dr. Burns said pet insurance could provide some owners with peace of mind. Pet insurance is one of the most potent animal welfare tools that we have at our disposal because if you have your pet insured, you can go to a veterinarian and money is not going to concern you, he said. Mm, right. Yeah. I think money will still concern you, but yeah. Yeah, perhaps not yeah. as much. Yes, depending yeah, on yeah. the cover you get, I guess. Exactly, yeah. And also, I think that we've spoken about it before. One of the big things is making sure you've got the pet insurance taken out before the condition actually comes along because the insurance companies generally won't cover you if it's a pre-existing condition, hey? Yeah, yeah, exactly. How many how many yeah. owners do you reckon you get saying, oh, if I get pet insurance now, will that, that be okay? I'll cover the broken leg? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I always say to them, look, the, the insurance company would love to insure your dog for everything other than that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then it says he says, "How can I save money as a pet owner? Choosing the basic leash rather than one with a bling." Well, we talked about that. Yes, maybe yep. maybe just go go for a, a plastic bag instead of a handbag. No, not a plastic bag. That's not a good idea. A calico <laughs> bag. Yep. <laughs> Buying food in bulk and spending less with that deluxe pet grooming salon, and not using the Lake Bacal water for your fish. Yeah, that's, that's that, that, that would be a Cheaper. good idea. Yep. Tap water, tap water, are all strategies that could see you spend less overall. As for specialist care, Dr. Burn advises establishing a solid relationship with your vet will ensure the best thing for your animal because they can discuss options quite openly with you. And that I really like, having a good trusting relationship with a vet that you know, that you continually go and see, great idea, like that a lot. Well, it's the it's the thing, isn't it, that, you know, and... If you don't have a relationship with someone to try to establish that level of trust, well, then if something does start to go wrong, well, then how do you, you know, when you're when you're really in the heat of it, it's really hard to sort of make a decision. Like if you're you're getting your car serviced and you go, well, hang on, how much do I actually trust, you know, the advice that are being given? Well, unless you've actually gone and established a relationship with the person with your vet, it makes that pretty tough. So you know, going and having a having a chat and you know, getting to know the nurses and all that. 
sorts of stuff. Getting your pet used to going to the clinic. It's all all good stuff. Well, actually, I I, I had something that would that came up on uh, on uh, that I heard about during the week as well. Did you hear about the city of Stonington that um, were changing the laws regarding the number of dogs that can be walked by dog walkers? No, tell me more. Yes, yeah. So, I, unfortunately, I'm trying to find an article, and the Herald saying won't let me in because I'm not a, so I don't subscribe to oh. it. But anyway, um, oh. so so basically, Nothing like a good what, paywall to hold you back. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Spe- especially the Herald Sun too, where they go such quality journalism. Anyway, um, speaking so, speaking of that, get on our Patreon page, and, and yes, if absolutely. you su- su- subscribe to us, you'll get quality journalism right there every week, every week for as little as fifty cents a week. Don't spend it on the Herald Sun. Spend it on us. <laughs> spend it on us. It'll be great. All right. Um, all right. So, how many pol- dogs? What, 20? Yeah, no. Well, I think the um, they've brought the regulation in to say that they're not allowed to work more than four dogs at a time. Oh, that's not many. Which, wow. which well, well, I don't know. I actually think it's, I think it sounds pretty reasonable, you know, to say that, you know, you, rather than having dog walkers walking eight to 10 dogs at once or, or whatever, you know, however many they're walking. I think it's pretty hard to control that number of dogs if something goes wrong. So I think having a oh. having a cap on it at four, I think it'd be a. I actually think it's a pretty good idea. What do you reckon? Uh, oh no, nah, twenty, mate. All with extender 20? leads. Those those yeah, big extender leads. They're all. Oh, I didn't know you meant with extender leads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Extender oh, yeah. leads would be great. Of course, you could really get them out a good perimeter, ten meters out. Big radius of dogs just crossing over each other and tripping each other up and cutting each other's foot off with those that thin wire that those oh. extender leads. That'd be fantastic. Maybe with that number of dogs, maybe they could have it like where they're sort of all jumping over the top of each other, forming like a really nice braid. <laughs> yes, undoubtedly. On the extender lead. Yeah, and then when the and then when they trip over, they just drag the 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 dog walker along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I knew I should have only taken four. Why didn't somebody <laughs> tell me? Why didn't somebody help me? Yeah, I agree. On a serious note, that four, four. I reckon that sounds a bit reasonable. Even maybe too many. I reckon. Maybe yeah, three. yeah. So it's interesting because the companies that then are running the um, the dog walking uh, businesses, they're all saying that. Well, hang on, now we've you know we can't afford to pay our workers as much because they can't aren't allowed to walk as many dogs at once, so it's making it less efficient. But it's like, well, yeah, sorry guys, but I think it's actually a reasonable idea to be able to say this is the number of dogs that you can walk. Yeah, well, have they got something in there about what if you're on a skateboard? Can you have more if you're on a skateboard? Because you're not actually walking them then. Well, you're not walking. Yeah, I I think then at that case, Lewis, it comes into then the weight of the dog. And they go, okay, right, so have have you got enough dogs that then it turns you into a motor vehicle? And then you need to wear a helmet (laughs) and you need to, you know, you need to indicate before you change lanes. Um, You know, heaven forbid the dog, you know, one of the dogs stops to have a poo, you know. I mean, imagine imagine the number of plastic bags. Have they not thought of the environmental impact of walking that many dogs at once, Lewis? Yeah, well, how many hands have they got to pick up all the poo at once? Well, gee whiz, you'd want it. You want to hope one per dog. So if they don't have four hands, well, it's very George Orwellian, isn't it? Two hands good, four hands bad, isn't it? Is that That's right? right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And t- and two two dog two poo bags good. You know, three that's right. Three three poo bags bad because there's diarrhoea. Four 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 dogs doing poo at once not good. Two at once okay. <laughs> unless unless they all just try and synchronize it. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, then the way you, you, you just got to pick up like the, the the six poos at once in the one bag. You've got this just a like a you know a, a shopping bag just chock full. And imagine, oh yeah, no, it's just <laughs> silly. So anyway, so so I thought, well, hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring that up in the podcast. That's actually a reasonable that's a reasonable bit of news. Yeah, it sounds good. And what's that in Stonington? So that's what the Turak South Yarra area. So it's only small dogs potentially. Yeah, yeah, um, and there's a there's there's nothing in there saying that there's definitely no fleas in there either. There's nothing in that in the article <laughs> that I can't read. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, save your money, mate. Put it on Patreon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now I've got an I've got a little article here 
And I think yeah. it's about time with this article. It's really something that's uh, that's been coming, mate. That, that's uh, you know, speaking of legislations and laws, and this is something that looks like it's been passed, passed in America recently. Yeah. And and it, look, it's it's you. I think this will really strike a chord with you, mate. Real resonance cool. with all the vets out there, and and uh, and so it's, it's the the legalities or the law change. It's it's titled "Dog Breeders with Twenty Years of Experience to Be Recognised as Veterinarians Finally." <laughs> what, what, why are you laughing, mate? This is this has been something that's you're, you're been coming right. for it's a long time. Time they've had recognition, Lewis. You're absolutely exactly. right. Yes, exactly. After an arduous and controversial battle from, and in this inverted commas, big vet. Obviously, that's oh, us. Yes. Big vet. Yeah, yeah. Big farmer. Big vet. Congress, so it's in the USA, has passed a new and inevitable law giving dog breeders the recognition they deserve for their commitment to breeding young, sexually and reproductive driven animals over several years. It's at least equivalent to a traditional doctor of veterinary medicine, maybe even a specialty certification, said one legislator. Yeah, wow. Particularly in, in, the, uh, particularly in the space of, uh, of I, I think... Um uh, you know, gastroenterology, you know, and nutrition. I think they'd be quite good um, because that's yes. uh, and and also parasite control. So uh, I think in parasitology they'd be very very good at it. Um, quite a few musculoskeletal things as well, and uh, the uh, heritability, the genetics of it. You know, many years of experience. Exactly, breeding for good hips and good hearts and. Uh, and uh, socialization, they've all got some. They've got some great good ideas noses. on socialization. Yep. Yeah, yeah, good long noses. Yeah, exactly. So, Linda Callahan, a prominent voice in the breeding community and seasoned veterinarian of unlicensed veterinary medical practice, rejoiced. And this is what Linda said, and, the, and it quotes: "Ever since getting my doctorate, I've been doling out oxycontin for all the whelping bitches with dystopia." Dystopia. <laughs> Oxycontin. <laughs> so that's a bit of an in joke, I think. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, oxytocin, and and it's dystopia, isn't it? When they're giving birth, so uh, indeed, oh, the no, no, I think I think oxycontin will certainly give you dystopia. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, Very right dystopian. Indeed, the unscrupulous and irresponsible for-profit veterinarians no longer have a stranglehold on the animal healthcare industry. We've had it too good for too long. Oh no, mate! It's been it's been a good patch. It's been a good yeah, patch. Yeah, it's it's time to hand it over. It's time to hand it over to the um, to to the uh, to the liver water and the um, yes and the and the the wheat bix with milk. Really, that's that's the brigade. It's time to hand it over. The criteria for the honorary doctorate has not been released publicly, but sources say it requires the precise knowledge that could only be attained by someone over twenty years, purposely or accidentally. Breeding animals evolved to produce litters of five to twelve offspring every six months in perpetuity. No easy task. No, no. So the cage line had caught up with the the sole veterinarian in Waverley at the time the bill was passed. What? So you mate? No. <laughs> Waverley. Waverley. It, it, it might have been. That might have been on my day yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, this is. And, and there's a bit of a effing stupid, he said, before tying his lo loafers extra snug and briskly walking away. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you, mate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's, that's so, from the cage liner, our good friends at the cage liner. It is, mate. It is. It is a good little tongue-in-cheek there. Very, very, very nice. I like that a lot. I think, nice. I think the, vet, the vets and vet nurses out there will appreciate that, that little uh, segment. Maybe dog breeders, maybe not so much. <laughs> but but if the dog breeders would like to support us on Patreon, we'd we'd love to hear from you, <laughs> and, and we'd and we'd love to support your uh, your your efforts of trying to get your recognition of your twenty years of of dog breeding. Yeah, well, actually, I forgot to mention our other sponsor. We're actually sponsored by uh, Gumtree uh, Dog Breeding Page. So um, thanks oh, very excellent. much, Gumtree, for coming on board and and support supporting us. Uh, uh, just 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 uh, thought I'd get that plug in right there. <laughs> Fantastic, very good. Mind you, if they had got to, got to plug in something, that might not have ended up with too many uh, as many as, as many unwanted puppies. But you know, that's that's probably controversial. 
Oh yeah, very mate. Alrighty, now you got something else, mate, or we get on this disclaimer? No, I think I think I'll hit up the disclaimer. Um, all it. advice on this show is general in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information, but as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing, please let us know if we've missed anything or if you need any clarification. Great, mate. Now, this week I said I was going to touch a little bit on Caesar Milan, my old mate. Touch Caesar a little bit. Touch him up. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> that's that's not good. You're going to grab good. him and pin but, him to the ground? Yeah, hold him down. Yeah, alpha yes. roll him. Do- dominate alpha him. Roll him. That's yes. right. Yeah, really, really alpha roll him. Then know who's boss. <laughs> so this is uh, this is an article that uh, it's got some comments from some, from a veterinary behaviour. So uh, it's a there's a question and answer sort of thing. So it says, why do so few dog trainers hold up to Caesar Milan's standard? Now I've got a lot of issues with that question, but I think it's answered beautifully in the article. Caesar Milan's standard is not one to which professional dog trainers and behaviour consultants aspire. Good, I like it, I like it. Yes. Milan's methods are the polar opposite of best practice. This is what Dr. <laughs> Andrew... fairly, fairly yeah. strong statement to start off with. <laughs> it's good. It's straight yeah. in there. It's great. I didn't write it, but I do. it's certainly opinion I agree with. This is what Dr. Andrew Lucia, who's DVM, PhD, diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists and a former director of the Animal Behaviour Clinic at the Purdue University School of Veterinary Medicine, wrote when he was asked to review four preview videotapes of the dog whisperer shown by National Geographic. <laughs> right. So, so I quote, this is what he said. This is what he said. Listen up. So Milan's techniques are almost exclusively based on two techniques, two behavioural techniques, flooding and positive punishment. So for listeners out there, flooding essentially is uh, a behaviour technique that we don't like to use, or we, we rarely use in, in, in dog training or, or dog behaviour management. It's where we force or where the dog is forcefully exposed to what they are scared of and Till essentially they stop being scared of whatever it is. Right. Um, now, the one I've seen certainly of, of Caesar Milan was where a dog was scared of slippery floors. Um, and instead of perhaps what I would do where I would gradually get the dog used to the slippery floors, maybe um, using different surfaces and using food rewards to gradually bring them closer and, and, and only doing short bursts of training at a time, what Caesar did was put a, a collar on us and just pull us out onto the floor, dragging us along the floor. And essentially that's sort of flooding in that the dog is, is terrified. Yeah. Um, but the, the theory in humans is that when you use this, that humans get so exhausted that they're no longer anxious anymore. And so that's that sort of cures your problem. Awesome. You'd be like that with pet cemetery, wouldn't you, mate? When I sit you down and... Peg you in front of Pet Cemetery just with your eyes open, clockwork orange style. Let's go, here you go, mate. Let's flood you. You were spot on, mate. I had pictures of that, just you running that you know, reel after reel of Pet Cemetery <laughs> until I'm exhausted and I'm no longer anxious. And that's, the, that's never going to work. That's, that's it's never going to work, you reckon? No way. No way. Not not at all. So there are better ways to do it uh, for, for the flooding stuff. Um, and... Uh, and and you know the flooding's got some issues that you know if if you if you're flooding them with the stuff and they're continually fearful, at what point yeah. do you stop? You know, um, it, it's a it's a, has poor welfare outcomes for the dog. It's very punitive. Yeah, um, it can make them worse, and it can also cause a condition what we call learned helplessness, where essentially I suppose that the dog just gives up, and we know that's a massive heightened state of fear and just a horrible state to be in. So that's that's the flooding aspect and then he talks positive punishment so positive punishment in the stricter sense is where we give something to the dog to decrease the chance of them repeating a behavior again in the future so a classic one would be i suppose uh, tapping the dog on the nose with with a newspaper um when when it's done something wrong of course, yep. we've talked about if you if you if you haven't listened to episode forty five where we do talk about sort of dominance and some punishment stuff, go back and have a listen to that. Um, but that's just not what we use today. It's not best practices by us behaviorists and and good dog trainers that are out there. Yeah, it's um it's funny how you know he managed to get 
from those those things, which obviously, you know, anyone that's done any study, or even, I mean, realistically, you know, uh, go hot button here and go, really anyone with common sense, to look at it and go, those animals aren't going to be enjoying this, you know, and just because, you know, it makes us feel good that we're trying to do something, you know, we're trying to make things better, how can we feel like making these animals more fearful is actually achieving anything? You know, it's a really, it's a really weird dichotomy that he's um, managed to you know, manage to achieve. I, I just, you know, I mean, obviously he's he has the intention of trying to help them, but you know, just trying to help through fear just seems really weird. Yeah, mate, it is definitely, and I think I think probably it makes good TV. I think you know, um, yeah, often the the techniques we 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 use these days they're often you know they make boring tv really because they take a bit Passive. of time and yeah, yeah and the dog's yeah. relaxed and there's no aggressive nature of the the trainer coming in and and do you know forcing the dog to do this and makes makes for great some great tv but um but but certainly the the any of the practices i use well might not make such a sensational tv possibly i don't know mate i think you'd be right on yeah, you could make sensational tv you'd be fine Oh, You'll be fine. We're talking man. about your dance moves before. Yeah, you'll be right. <laughs> you'll be right. Thanks, you just keep on. You just keep on fighting, Lewis. You'll be right. Oh, I believe in you, mate. I believe in you. Oh, thank. Oh, thanks, Robbie. That's really sweet. So sincere. That's right. Yeah, and and you know, flooding flooding also didn't work in football either. You know, flooding was bad for football. You know, it made for bad football. It makes for bad dog training. That's why they changed the rules, mate. The six six six. That's right. Yeah, the devil's number. Yeah, yeah, always, oh, yeah, always knew the foot football was evil. Yeah, <laughs> just like a horror movie, just like Pet Cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> so Andrew Lucia goes on. He goes, most of the theoretical explanations that Milan gives regarding cause of the behaviour problems are wrong. Not one of these dogs had an issue with dominance. So he's seen four videotapes. So not one had an issue with dominance. Not one of these dogs wanted to control their owners. Yeah, well, right. big surprise yeah. there. The title, The Dog Whisperer, is particularly ironic. The title is, of course, taken from The Horse Whisperer. Yes. The training techniques of The Horse Whisperer are based on an understanding of equine behaviour and a non-confrontational and particularly gentle. Caesar Milan, anything but whispers. He's really punching, say, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. This is great. I love it. This he's, is great. He's coming off Good the stuff, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. I think this series, if aired, would be a major embarrassment for National Geographic. It is not stimulating <laughs> or thought-provoking since none of the presented techniques are new. And that's true. They're very outdated. They are outdated. Oh, there we go. They're reading my mind. And have long been abandoned by most responsible trainers, let alone behaviourists, as inappropriate and cruel. I very much hope National Geographic will pull the plug on this program beyond Caesar Milan. And then the article goes on. Caesar Milan is clinging to his philosophy and methods, presumably because the TV drama has made him rich. His methods stand in stark opposition to the direct direction professional dog training is heading and has been since the early 20th century. Recently, Australian, the, sorry, recently the Association of Pet Professional Dog Trainers, the Certification Council for Professional Dog Trainers and the International Association of Animal Behaviour Consultants adopted joint standards of practice for professional animal behaviour consultants and trainers that includes a unified code of ethics and the use of least intrusive, minimally aversive approach to behaviour modification and training. I like it. A lot of big words, but I like it. A lot of, a lot of guys getting on board. What would they know though, <laughs> yeah. Lewis? You know? I mean, where well, are they coming well, from? Well, if they, if they wouldn't know, well, there's there's more. The American oh. Veterinary Society of Animal Behaviour has published position statements on the use of punishment and dominance in the behaviour modification of animals and a formal response to the CESA 911 program, 911, 911, uh -huh. sorry, not 911. Yeah, the emergency one, not not not. The, <laughs> not uh, not, not the, not the, oh, what am I saying? Anyway, the American <laughs> College of Veterinary Behaviorists has published guidelines for selecting a trainer that specifically advise pet owners and veterinarians to avoid trainers who use and advocate methods based on ideas of dominance. So there we go. How many, how many groups have I gone through there? One, two, three, four, five at the pointy end of animal beha dog, dog behavior stuff have all advised against his methods. So there you yeah, go. But but do and they have TV shows, Lewis? 
You're right, mate. That's all it is, isn't it? It's a Not TV interested. show. Yeah. If they don't have a TV show, then makes, what do they know? Makes a difference. Fake news. Fake news. Yeah, you're spot on, mate. <laughs> the notion that dogs are pack animals that need to be put in their place by an owner or trainer who needs to be the alpha or pack leader is seriously flawed. And we talked about that in episode 45, which I highly recommend. Anyone who's interested in this goes back and has another listen to episode 45 and then also episode 46. We know that the use of the term alpha is not appropriate for non-captive wolves since non-captive wolves are comprised of family units, not unrelated wolves vying for the top position or alpha. No knowledgeable trainer in the 21st century wants to emulate Caesar Milan. The direction of the future is evidence-based methods, a subject which I've written on and spoke about at a national conference. That must be Andrew Lucia again. In the words of the American Veterinary Society for Animal Behaviour, research shows that dogs do not need to be physically punished to learn how to behave, and there are significant risks associated with using punishment, such as inhibiting learning, stopping learning, increasing fear, and or stimulating aggressive events, causing aggression. So, there you go, mate. Pull no punches. Yeah, I, I don't think Caesar Milan is going to be sending him a Christmas card. I'm pretty sure. No, I won't be sending any of those organisations Christmas cards. No way. No, no way. And <laughs> and also, I mean, I could add in there the Australian the Australian Veterinary Association Behaviour Interest Group. I'm sure they're exactly along the same lines. That's that's the pinnacle organisation in Australia. We're all all um, who I'm a member of, we're, um, we're all exactly on the same lines of that, that it's, it's, uh, it's really set us back actually having that TV show, that the, the, the um, education of, of, of the public, it's really set us back. Isn't it? And, and it's just amazing how just when it's on TV, then suddenly it carries legitimacy. You know, there's it's just very difficult to try and break out from behind the veneer of just because it's on TV that therefore maybe it's not right. Maybe I, you know, it's it's just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's hard for us because we look at it, you know, because we've had um, that that training, and you certainly more so than me. But you know, when you're watching something and you go, oh, gee, I just get a bad feeling from this. You know, I just don't feel like this is. You know, this isn't good. You know, and yet people go, "Oh no, no, it's great. It's entertaining. Look how much, look how good he's doing." It's like, "Oh gee whiz, I just think it's yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, interesting to see whether or not National Geographic actually decide that they're going to try and you know actually stop it." No, I don't think so. They won't touch it. No, no, no. It makes makes for good TV, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, mate. Definitely makes for good TV. So, like Dancing with the Stars. You know that that should get canned as well. Really, I love that show, mate. Oh, you do like dancing? I reckon with the stars, we should we should get on it. Can we? Do they do? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we could be on it. Two vets, talk pets, dance, dance well, with the stars. I'm already on it this year. Jimmy Giggle's already on there. So you know, my my, my doppelganger, my brother from another mother. <laughs> it's funny you should say that because that's exactly what Deb said the other night. She said it's Robbie. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we went and saw um, we went and saw Giggle and Hoot out at the uh, the Frankston Cultural Centre, and just the fact that Frankston's got a cultural centre isn't the uh, isn't the main joke. But um, <laughs> the uh, so we're there watching Giggle and Hoot. <laughs> and All right, next yeah. topic. <laughs> But I grew up in Langwarren. I can, I can get away with saying that, you know. Um, so I, uh, so we're out at the, out in the lobby afterwards after the show, and literally there's all these people doing double takes as I'm walking past. You know, like, oh, hang on, is that? It's like no, no. I'm just, you know. I'm just here to be entertained. I'm not doing the entertaining. Were you mobbed by five-year-old kids? Oh, can I have your autograph? Can I have your autograph? Yeah, photo? can I have a selfie? Absolutely, yeah. Can 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 you sign my sign my hoot doll? Yeah, absolutely, kiddo. Yeah, that'd be great. Now, the 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 one thing that um that I've always <laughs> lacked that um that Jimmy Giggle has got is the hair. You know, like he's you know I'm I'm definitely receding where Jimmy Giggle is still staying very, you know, very very lush um as far as his uh his hair on top. You know, either that or he's getting implants Shane Warne style. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not casting dispersions. He can, he can afford the big treatment, the big hair treatment. I think, mate. So that's the thing. He's got the TV gig. No, although that that big ABC money. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> spot on, mate. Spot on. That's where the big bucks are, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I reckon they should take. They should dance with the stars. Should diversify and take on a take on a podcaster. What do you reckon? We should write to him. Give it a shot. Yeah. 
Do you, do you think? Do you think we'll be ably? Um, well, I mean, you, you've already shown shown me your uh, your dancing chops, you know, earlier. I mean, you just didn't realise that the uh, that the Skype had already kicked on. I just saw you in there in the background, just sort of, <laughs> you know, having a bit of a dance. Yeah, you thought you thought you were having a bit of quiet time by yourself, but unfortunately for the listeners, I wasn't able to take the take the video and quick, quick enough before you realised. Well, the thing is, mate, with Dancing with Stars, it's about the journey. It's about it's about starting from nowhere and becoming, blossoming like a beautiful butterfly or a gorgeous flower and becoming the dancer. How much do you reckon Kirtley Ambrose has blossomed? This would be a pretty pretty big blossom for Kirtley Ambrose. <laughs> is he on it? Yeah, Kirtley Ambrose, Sir Kirtley Ambrose. Man, he's, he'd blossom into a, like a sunflower, wouldn't he? Like a big bird of paradise or something. <laughs> it's just like you feel got a feel for Paul Courtney. I mean, is he uh, yeah one of the greatest fast bowlers of all time? And he, here he is, twenty five years after he's retired, he's on Dancing with the Stars in Australia. You know, unbelievable. Wow, isn't there kind of going some twenty twenty game somewhere? Jeez, he must be struggling. Well, you'd think so, maybe. Yeah, you know, I mean, he still moves all right, big curtly, but you know, and and, and do you know what? After they've done the da- their route, after they've done their routines on Dancing with the Stars, do you know what they're all doing a lot? They're they're panting. All the contestants oh, are breathe. panting, Lewis. Yes. And right. they're, they're yes. really breathing yeah. rapidly. And sometimes we see animals that are breathing rapidly yeah. too. Yeah. How, did you see that, that that sort of seamless segue there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Mack truck. That was that was that was that had more that had less seams than Kirtley Ambrose's bowling. <laughs> it was like a like a twenty point <laughs> turn trying to get us back on track. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, I know. We've waffled, haven't we? Yeah, go on, mate. Yeah, so, so tell us um, about breathing. Breathing. So, so I wanted to talk about um about breathing and we've covered this a, a couple of other times in a few other podcasts, like particularly we're talking about like sleeping respiratory rates and things like that and coughing. But um it's something that uh, a lot of owners often overlook when animal their animals are breathing more rapidly because it can really be a, a quite a, a big sign that they're there's potentially something wrong, you know, that there's um, something going on in your uh, in your pets, uh, either in your uh, upper airway, so up in your nose, um, or down in your lower airway, so down in your trachea or down into your lungs. So we had a, a cat the other day that um, the owner had just been slowly seeing that it had been uh, starting to breathe a bit more rapidly because we'd been having some hot weather. They assumed that oh, well, it's just going to be because of the uh, because of the hot weather. But then once the weather cooled down, then they go, hang on, the the cat's still having trouble breathing. Bought it in and then realised, oh, hang on, it's actually lost a half a kilo of weight. Took an X-ray and its lungs were just chock full of cancers. So, um, so yeah, it's just the the subtle signs of the fact that it's having some trouble breathing. You know, if for that poor cat, we probably wouldn't have been able to do anything. But it's not a sign to be discounting just to uh, just on hot weather. Oh, exactly, mate. It's amazing the adaptive nature of the. Um of well, animals or the, or the human body, the body in itself, I suppose, in the, in that when a cat or a dog has something going on with their lungs, and the way the body adapts, that they can just keep coping and coping with less and less functional lung tissue, and so obviously the breathing rate increases. Um, but eventually, there does come a point, I suppose, where there's just no lung tissue left, and they're really struggling because they've got so much fluid on their chest, or you know, because they've got some cancers or, or, or something like in there, so or inflammation or something like that. Yeah, yeah. At what point do you reckon? You know, how do you know that you, you, your dog or cat's you know got an increased respiratory rate or or is breathing a bit heavily? I mean, obviously they all pant with a bit of exercise, maybe. But but at what point do you reckon you need to be thinking? Well, oh, maybe I need to get a check by the vet. Yeah, I think a, a lot of it comes down to knowing your animal and what they're like and what they've been doing, you know, uh, recently. So, like, if you've got a dog that's yeah, just been for a run down at the off-lead dog park, of course, or and it's a 26-degree day, of course, they're going to come home panting. But if your dog's just woken up from having a sleep in an air-conditioned house and they're still looking at you puffing and panting, and particularly if they seem like they're really forcing themselves to breathe. Um, one of the big ones with cats is open-mouth breathing. No cat that's open mouth breathing should yes. be seen to being a, uh, a healthy cat. You know, open mouth breathing in cats, that always sh- sends shivers down my spine of thinking, oh crap, something bad's happening with this poor kitty cat. You know, either fluid fluid in the lungs, fluid around the lungs, or, you know, something something going on. It's a, it's never a great sign. So I think, and, and also, 
it can be a bit difficult for owners sometimes, I think, Lewis, as far as the old watch pot never boils. You know, like if you're seeing the animal slowly breathing and it's slowly getting worse, sometimes you'll miss the fact that it's getting a lot worse over a period of time. So what I sometimes say to people to do is, A, count the, the number of breaths they're taking in a minute when they're uh, when they're asleep or when they're awake, but also video them as well and try and get up close so you can actually listen to the sound that they're making. And so if you're seeing that they're breathing more rapidly, they're breathing more noisily, something's happening. Something's causing that. Yeah, good, mate, good. And what sort of what sort of values we're we looking for for that sleeping respiratory rate, do you reckon? Oh, well, the the magic number that we always use for cardiac is thirty. You know, so if it's over thirty breaths in a minute, yep. then you need to you need to get them uh, get them X rayed. Um, but in the end, for some of the other ones, I guess it's you know. It all comes out. If you think your pet might be breathing more rapidly, chances are they probably are. You know, if you're looking at them and you think, oh, gee whiz, I'm pretty sure that they've been, you know, I've, I've never noticed them be breathing that rapidly, or they're also, they're not exercising as much as usual. They're not able to finish their walks as well, or um, they're stopping eating in the middle of, of eating and stopping and trying to catch their breath and then starting to eat again. You know, all of those are signs that your dog's not really, uh, or, or cat's not really oxygenating themselves properly. And then also there's the thing of looking at the gums too and sort of looking to see whether or not they've got nice, uh, nice pink gums or whether or not they're looking a bit a bit pale or a bit blue or something like that. Again, all signs that there might be something happening in the chest. Yeah, and I, I sometimes also you see them sort of uh, when they're trying to rest, they actually sort of sit up or prop themselves up a little bit. Some, some dogs, particularly some of those uh, pushed-in sort of nose, brachycephalic type dogs like your Frenchies and that will often sleep with their head rested on a pillow so it's a little bit elevated or even sometimes they, they, uh, they won't actually go to sleep. They'll sort of, uh, sort of sit up to sleep and try and, you know, sort of, um, you know, tr- trying to get enough breath and sort of almost reaching for the air, I call it. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and when they're struggling. So that's that's a sign you can look out for as well. And, and that's extending the neck out there, isn't it? Trying to help to open up their yeah. airways. I mean, they don't they don't realise why they're doing it. They just know that, well, hang on, if I do this, I can actually, I can breathe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good, mate. Spot on. Love it. Now, we only got a little bit of time, so I just want to talk about, yeah, so I just want to talk about a little bit. I just saw an article just this week that came out, new paper. Um, it's called a uh, um, – did you have more on breathing, mate? Or we all no, good? that's it, mate. I'm out of breath. <laughs> that doesn't sound like you at all. <laughs> so so this was a, an article from the Journal of Small Animal Practice. Uh, it was a prospective randomised blinded clinical trial – Assessing effectiveness of three dental plaque control methods in dogs. Ooh. Great little study that's just just come hot off the press. There's a total of 22 dogs completed the study, which simultaneously assessed the effectiveness of three means of plaque control. So one mean was the dog's teeth were brushed daily. The second was the dogs were just fed Hill's TD food. Yep. And the third is the dogs were given a dentist stick chew once a day. Right. So I think we know where this is going, mate. But <laughs> essentially the results say that daily, daily toothbrushing was shown to be more than three times effective at controlling plaque accumulation compared to use a daily dental chew or the dental diet. The dental plaque scores for the diet and dental chews were not significantly different from one another, and there was Ooh. much greater variability in the mouth scores for these two groups of dogs compared to the toothbrushing group. Right. So, essentially, what it's saying is that daily toothbrushing is the most effective single method of reducing plaque accumulation and optimizing dogs' oral health that you can do in the home environment. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, that's good to. Um, what sort of um study numbers did they have on there? So twenty two dogs in total started with thirty three. I think twenty two. Well, that's still not bad. I mean, it's good. It's good to actually get some data there. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And I mean, obviously, that the sort of recommendation there would be, you know, get a get a a a, a dental done by your vet first. So a scale and polish like like we have when we go to the dentist under under anaesthetic. Um, get that done by your your vet first, and then start you know trying to teach them to to brush their teeth um yeah. or 
do do it yourself. Though obviously they're not going to do it. Um, br- brushing their teeth on on a on a on a, da- on a daily basis. Um, yeah. But the other thing that we have brought up in the past, and let's hit another hot butt toffee, is the anesthesia free dentals. Yes. Which, um, which obviously we do not recommend those, and there's many reasons why we we do not that. And if you want to know more about that. Why we don't recommend them? Go back to episode seventeen, wow. where we did a, in the a early full in-depth chat about. Uh, yeah, I know, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, back black and white days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, black and white, and, and little headset headset microphone. I reckon. Oh yes, it would have been back then. Yeah. So head back to episode seventeen and have a listen to what we had to say because it's still very relevant, and we still, uh, you know, still do not recommend the the anesthesia free dentals that you, you might get at your local groomer or your. Uh, um, your pet shop or, or, or other place, but uh, go go into your vet and get get the the anaesthetic one done for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well done. That's All great, right. mate. That's great. Great little study. Um, so uh, good little article. Yeah. Now we've got another. Um, got some uh, more Patreon uh, questions going up on uh, on Patreon for our Patreon subscribers. Uh, soon, I think we've uh, got those uh, got those recorded, or we've uh, we're we're about to. Yeah. Yep, we'll get some up soon, won't we? But um, if you got any, I got next week, mate. I think we're sort of running out of time. Next week, I'm gonna got a little thing on. It's actually a recent research article came out about raw meaty bones um for your dog. So there's a bit of a research update on that. So we might touch on that next week. So listen up, listeners. Very good. Sounds great, everyone. Um, I'm, I might talk about um about hair loss. Hair loss. Oh, hair loss. Nice. Yeah. What ha- what happens when you when your dog or cat's losing hair? Because I feel bad about Jimmy Giggle getting on to Dancing with the Stars and not me. <laughs> Is that because you've been looking at my hair, uh, my hairless bonts on the Skype uh, all night, and you're thinking, "Ooh, that's a good chat." No, I've, I've been going back and looking at all your old photos from back from back when you were younger. Me too. You know, looking and you know, gee whiz, we were. You know, we had we had great heads of hair back then. You know, we were young and virile, weren't we? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> All righty. All right, guys. I reckon so. Look, if you got any, if you got any questions, anyone hit us up at two vets talk pets at gmail Find us on the socials: uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, two vets talk pets, um, and of course, uh, we are on Patreon. And there's some extra episodes that we will put up there in the next week or so. So uh, hopefully, uh, we've got all the the sound quality sorted out on the, on the Skype Skype uh, Skype chat today. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see you guys soon. We'll scratch you later. Peace out, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at VetBehaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.